started a series of messages last week about the character Josiah, who was the king of Judah, and how his life transformed Israel because he sought after God. He desired God, and it brought revival, a returning of the people back to God. And so I want to talk for just a few minutes about revival requirements. If you want to see revival in your life and then see a revival in your family, in your church, there are some things that we must do in order to put God first. And Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek God. Can you say, seek God? The God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge, say purge, Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. In 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25, Now before him, speaking of Josiah, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord. Can you say, turn to the Lord? With all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. So as we look at this character named Josiah, he was the king of Judah. And the Bible tells us that he became king at eight years old. Now that is amazing. Eight years old. I don't know what you were doing or thinking when you were eight. I was thinking about Lincoln Logs and little cars and toys and all of those things. But here is a young man who is given charge of the kingdom of Judah and Jerusalem. And God would use this young person to lead Israel back to him. Eight years old, he possesses the kingdom. And the Bible tells us that at 16, eight years into his reign, that he began to seek God. And we talked about all of this last week. He began to seek God. He began to pray. He began to lay his life before God. And God wants us to seek him. Becca said it well. We have God in our heart and in our life, but yet there is also a desire to know him better and a desire to be used by him in a greater way and a desire to see God's will and his kingdom come upon this earth. And so here is Josiah at this young age of 16 who begins to seek after God. And we said last week that that is the first requirement of having revival in our lives. Now, we need revival personally and individually. Uh, we can look at the world, and, and, and I'll be the first to say, it looks very evil, it looks very bleak, it looks very black, it looks very bad. But what are we 
doing to seek God for us. Because one person, this is what this says, tells us that one person can make a difference and turn an entire kingdom or nation back to God. And it wasn't because he demanded it of other people. No, he did later, but now he's saying, God, I need you. I seek you. I want your plan. How many knows that God has a plan for your life? I want your plan and your design for my life, and it helps if you start early in your life. But don't worry, if it ain't early in your life, God can still use you. I'm reminded of uh, Caleb in the Bible. The Israelites have inherited their land, and Caleb, at 80 years old, one of the two spies who had been faithful to the Lord to say, we can go into this promised land, but yet they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And on comes Caleb. He's one of my, can I, can I just say he's an old hero of mine. You know, the, there are certain people that, that you just look up to in the Bible, and at 80 years old, he, he says, give me that mountain uh, that I first walked on when we were into the uh, walking into this promised land. Give it to me and let me inherit it. And yes, I already know it's got giants on it, but we're about to take it in the power and the authority that God has given to us. So one person can make a difference in this nation and in this world. 16 years old. Begins to seek God. In order to have revival, we must seek God. We must not avoid the altar. Now, I want to clarify that. The altar, this is, we call this an altar. It is a place to seek God. It can be in your closet at home. It can be at your seat. It can be at work. It can be wherever it might be. But it is a place that we humble ourselves and we cry out to God and we say, God, I need you more than I need anything else. And so we must not avoid the altar because we will not have revival when we have empty altars. So we must seek God. Look at your neighbor and say, seek God. And when we do, we'll realize transformation in our lives. When we seek God, the Bible tells us that He'll show up. That He'll show up in all of His power and in all of His glory. You see, God's faithful to His Word. And when we begin to cry out to God, He will be found. We can find God. We look back at the Old Testament at Adam and Eve and they had walked in their own way. They had uh, submitted to the temptation uh, of the serpent. And, and they uh, had desired the fruit that was forbidden. And they did that. And God, what he did not do was say, well, good luck with that. You know, you're, you're going to have a, a, a terrible life and, and I'm just done with you. God did not do that. What did he do? He cried out, Adam, where are you? You see, God wants us to seek Him. And God seeks after us. Adam, where are you? And God begins to lay out a plan of salvation and begins to tell them 
that there is a way that the seed of the woman can conquer the enemy and, and there's a plan of salvation. See, God wants us to seek him and to know him in a greater way. So we must first seek God. But then it is interesting that when we seek God, that he does something. He hears, he shows up, and the Bible tells us that when we seek God, that he'll heal our land. So could, this is what I ended with last week, could this nation, and I'll be honest with you, this nation is mirror of Israel. We are desperately dark and a wicked nation that has turned away from God. If you can't see that, uh, then maybe you need to take a deeper look and a deeper dive into that. But this nation is serving itself and serving uh, the idol of self. I want it. I need it. I'm going to get it no matter what it costs. So when we look at this, can our nation experience revival just like Israel? And the answer is yes. If God's people will humble themselves, the Bible tells us, seek his face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then God will hear our prayer. Do you ever pray for your nation, your leaders? You need to. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent. You need to be praying for this nation and our leaders. Amen? It's not about that. It's about seeking after God and for God's wisdom and God's direction for our lives. So we must seek God. And when we do, he can heal our nation. We are a place that is divided, a place that is fractured, and only God can heal this land. Revival requires that we seek him. And revival requires that we do what Josiah did, which was purge all of the things out of their life, our life that is a substitute for God. Pastor, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I don't have a substitute for God. I don't have idols in my life. We do. We can easily have idols in our life. And Josiah purged them from Judah and Jerusalem, from the high places. He got rid of all the wooden and carved images, the molded images, a variety of idols that shows just how deep into idolatry that Judah was. Idols to Baal, Asherah poles, Worship of sun, moon, and stars. And these idols were not just outside of the temple, but in the temple itself. Imagine that. This temple that God's presence had anointed and come into at the first building of the temple, and now there's idols and idol worship inside of it. It tells me, folks, that we also have to watch that we don't have idols inside of the church. Idols, Pastor, I, I don't know what you're talking about. How do we have idols? What are those idols? The Israelites were putting idols before God. Breaking the first and second commandments would say, don't have any other gods before me. Don't serve any other gods. But we can have those idols. Idols of money, idols of sports, 
children, money, possession, even our spouses. And as I began to look at this, I looked at that list that I wrote and I said, God, those are the blessings that you've given to us. How, how can they be an idol? When I put those blessings above and in front of the blesser, you see, God, give me those things. They're a blessing to me, and I need not make an idol of them. I should serve God first and put his kingdom first. That's what he says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all of these things will be added unto you. And I can tell you that the more we seek God, the less things will become an idol to us. So Josiah did not just pleasantly and lightly get rid of the idols in Jerusalem and in Judah. Look at the list. It says he cut them down. He broke them into pieces. He beat them into powder. What does that mean? We must decisively, systematically destroy the idols in our lives. Not only did he do that, but he got rid of the wicked priests, idolatrous priests. Reformation and revival go hand in hand. What does that mean? There has to be some internal change that happens in order for a revival to come. We can't keep doing the same things that we always did and experience revival in our lives. We must be changed. And that change is a decision by us, but also help from the Holy Spirit to get rid of those things out of our life. You can't do it on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you. Purging your life of idols is serious business. God must be the priority. When we pursue things above God, you know what that tells God? is that we don't have faith in him. When I pursue things and possessions above God, I'm saying, God, you're not good enough, big enough, powerful enough to supply what I need. So I'm going to take it in my own hands, and I'm going to do it. So we make an idol to ourselves at times if we don't watch out. And we pursue things, and we have a lack of faith in God when we do so because the Bible tells us to seek the kingdom first. Then he'll provide all of those things that we have need of. So if you're sacrificing to get bigger, better, greater things, if you're trying to build your own kingdom, then you're sacrificing to the idol of materialism and to self. And we have a tendency to do that. If idols were not a problem, why would Jesus say to his disciples, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For we have a tendency to put, let my will be done, let my kingdom come. And the master knew that and he taught his disciples to pray that and we have to pray that we will not be uh, self-motivated, but kingdom-motivated. When the cares and the concerns of the kingdom are in your mind, then you are close, my friends, to revival. Josiah turned to the Lord. He turned to him. 
with all of his heart, all of his might, all of his strength and his soul. Revival is both turning to and turning away. Here Josiah first did the turning away. He got rid of all those things that ought not to be for sure in the temple or nowhere in the nation of God and the children of God. And so he purges and he turns away from those things and he gets rid of those things, but that's not enough. You can't just clean yourself up and experience revival. What did he do? Then it says he turned to God. So there's a turning away and a turning to. I'm teaching and preaching this morning at the same time because we need to hear this. And he pursued God passionately. That is revival. That's what's required when we want revival is that we pursue God passionately with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. We must seek after God and not just turn away from the evil but turn to God and ask him to help us to pursue him, to seek him, to be driven by what drives him. Can I tell you what drives God? Is the salvation of souls, the winning of souls for the kingdom of God. So look at this sequence of events that cause revival. First, Josiah seeks God. Then he purges the kingdom of idols. Then he, with all of his heart, soul, and mind, and might, seek God. And when we begin to look at this, that's all a part of the process of what is required for revival. But I see one more thing. As you read along further in this chapter, you'll see that Josiah sends someone to the house of God. And he says, go seek out the, in the treasury there and find the money that has been donated as people come into the house of God and restore and rebuild the house. Because when you're in a time of apostasy and a time when revival is not happening, what naturally occurs is that the house of God gets neglected. If you want to see revival. The house of God must become a priority in your life. You want to see a change in your life. You can't avoid, you can't say that you love God and you, uh, without loving his people and without loving the house of God. I know we're in four walls. That doesn't make the church. It's the people that are inside of the four walls. So we must seek God. We must put his house as a priority because that's what people do in a time of revival. I know you've heard this too. Well, Pastor, I don't, even, I don't have to go to church to be saved. That's true. But why would you want to miss out on God's house and the fellowship of the saints and, uh, and the corporate worship? And uh, Can I tell you, I, I pray a lot at home and I even worship uh, you know, outside of the church, obviously. But there's nothing like being in the house of God. I know you know that. Nothing like being in corporate worship with the people of God and experiencing the anointing and the power of God that flows when we come together. Uh, you see, we can't neglect the house of God. We must seek God and the house of God. 
Let's seek the house of God. And he said, Josiah said, take the money that's in the, in the treasury there at the house of God and begin to restore, begin to rebuild. Can I tell you, we've spent a lot of money this year on that pavilion out there. We have. But there comes a time when you have a project that you've got to count the cost and you've got to finish it. And so I asked a few weeks ago, and you responded, and you responded greatly. Help us finish well this year. As we've spent more than's come in, but we're not desperate. I'm not saying that. There's money in the treasury. There's money there. But I want to see us be able to advance further next year. And if we end this year well, then it sets up us to do more next year. And the heart of a people who want revival want to see God's house looking good and restored and renewed. As I tell you, we put a lot out there, but we didn't do so much here. It's truth. You know, you have limited funds. We can't neglect this place because we have a new future home. Don't neglect this house. So we're going to be doing some things around here. Restoring and reviving this place as well. I encourage you to give towards that because the heart of a revivalist, someone who wants to see revival is a giver. Someone who puts the, God's house as a priority. Pastor, are you just making that up? No. It's not the only place in the Old Testament where when the people had turned away from God that the house of God got neglected. Turn to the book of Haggai if you want to see it. And through the prophet Haggai, God confronts the people. And he says to them, I put a king in place so that you could come back to Jerusalem and rebuild and do everything and to put it in his heart, even though he's wicked and he doesn't even really know me, I put it in the heart of that king to send you back. But since you've come back, what have you done? You've made your house a house that's paneled, a house that is all about you, and you've neglected or you've allowed the house of God to lie in ruin. This is a principle. If you want to see revival, don't neglect the house of God. Don't neglect giving to the house of God. And I'm not saying that because I'm just trying to gather in all the money. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you prosper, and that's how you prosper. Not the only way, but you prosper when you give to the house of God. It's a biblical principle. That's why we talk about it every week as we receive the offering. So help us finish well. And I tell you that we're blessed. We're blessed. God has supplied for every need according to his riches and glory. We've not had to borrow money to fix that pavilion and to get it up to like it needs to be. We are not in a desperate situation. But I, as a pastor, want to see us do more for the kingdom of God. And I want to see you blessed. So I'm, I'm just being real. I'm just telling you like it is. Because I want to see you prosper. 
as God prospers your soul, I want to see you prosper. I want to see you grow in God, become what he's called you to become.